Several years ago, there was a, a story in Reader's Digest about a couple that uh, they really wanted to, uh, to upgrade their bed. And so they decided they wanted to get a waterbed. And so they got this waterbed and they uh, put it into their room. And, and they, they realized they needed to get the, the, uh, the waterbed needed a hose. And so they decided, oh, we've got to go out and get a hose. So they went out and got a hose and they connected it to their kitchen and ran the hose all the way to the bedroom, put it in. And, uh, and, and the direction said it may take several hours. It could be to, depending on your water pressure to fill the water bread. So the couple said, great, let's go ahead and turn it on and let's go out, run a couple errands. It should be done by the time we get back or at least have a little bit of time left when we get back. And so they did. And when they got back, it was a small oversight. It wasn't a regular hose. It was a garden hose uh, in which it had holes throughout the whole hose. And this particular garden hose, uh, much to their uh, dismay, watered the entire house as opposed to just the bed. And so the landlord, I'm sure, were not ha- was not happy. The people downstairs probably didn't appreciate the uh, shower that they were not expecting. But this couple was absolutely shocked when they come home to find what they found. I think... If I could relate that to each of us, I think every one of us in our lives, there are times where a small oversight in the front end, if, it would have, if we would have paid just a little bit more attention to this detail, could have solved a lot of, or saved rather even, a lot of heartache. And in this particular situation, this couple found a lot of heartache in one minor detail that was overlooked. And I think all of us, in one way or another, we often overlook the things that really do matter in the long run. But in our eyes, they look like a minor detail. Can I, can I submit to you this morning that in a lot of ways, your Christian walk is a series of minor details that really do matter? Your life is a series of minor details that do make up one major detail of your life? It's a series of multiple little decisions, seemingly insignificant decisions that are made. And then at the end of the day, you will reap what you've sown in those little tiny moments. I think each of us in our lives, we can be frustrated by not paying attention to details. And so this morning, in our text this morning as I kind of label this a heavyweight God. The title of my message this morning is a heavyweight God. You are never the underdog. You are never the underdog. Being an Eagles fan, I'm very familiar with being the underdog. I understand one thing. I understand this to be true. That many times you and I, both you and I, have prayed prayers like underdog prayers. We've prayed prayers like our God is a lightweight God. We've prayed prayers like our God may not be listening, but if he happens to be listening, if God is strong enough or cares enough about me, fill in the blank. And so we often look at our God like a lightweight God or even a middleweight, possibly a welterweight. We don't know. But I want to propose to you this morning that the God we pray to, the God of the Bible, the God 
of all gods is a heavyweight God. He can take any punch that comes your way because he's endured the ultimate punch of the cross. The moment you feel like an underdog today, I want you to be able to say to yourself, I pray to a heavyweight God. I pray to a God who's able to hold his own. In our text this morning, we look at Israel who had been going through their own struggle. They've been in a war with the Philistines. How many know that the Philistines were something to fight? Right? They were something to fight and Israel had been guilty at this point of walking away. Look at me. Not turning their back on God for just a moment. They literally walked away at this point from God. They really didn't want much to do with God. And that is a very important part you need to understand this morning. They not just walked away from God, but began to deliberately disobey God. And by disobeying God, their nation had now been paying the price. The nation, uh, 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 the nation of the Philistines and, the, uh, and those people were supposed to be at their feet and now they're at their doorstep. And in that situation... They were losing badly to the Philistines. And it became apparent at this point that the Philistines would overcome them and beat them. And before the war was over, before the fight was over, the people of Israel said, we have an idea. Get the Ark of the Covenant and let's bring it out. Let's put it out before us. We understand one thing about the Ark of the Covenant. Let me get your attention on this. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was a representation of God as well. So what did they do? Things are going wrong. Things are going horribly wrong. We're about to be overcome. We're about to be overtaken. Let's bring God into the picture now. Only problem is, God is not a Santa or a genie that you can pull at him whenever you think is necessary. So they pulled God into the picture and they decided, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant. And when they did so, they still lost because God stayed home that day. God says, I'm not going to be used like a genie in a bottle. And that day, they lost miserably. They failed. And not only that, the ultimate slap in the face, the Ark of the Covenant was taken from them. So now they didn't just lose. They lost the presence of God, which in a lot of ways was their identity. Have you ever lost your identity? In this situation, they lost a lot of different things. And so all of a sudden, now they're facing what we're about to read here this morning. In our text, Israel had been engaged in this war. They figured out, let's bring the ark into the battlefront. And that didn't really work. After the ark was taken, we find ourselves in 1 Samuel chapter 5. Let's read together. Uh, Actually, you can listen along or follow along. I'm going to read it out loud to you. After the Philistines, 1 Samuel chapter 5. After the Philistines had captured the ark of God, they took it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Then they carried the ark into Dagon's temple and set it beside Dagon. For those of you that don't know, let let me just pause for a moment. Dagon was a god who was half man and half fish. This was a very real god and a very uh, prominent god to the Philistines. When the people of Ashdod 
rose early the next day, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. They took Dagon and put him back in his place. Notice it was his place. They put him back in his place. But the following morning when they rose, there was Dagon fallen on his face on the ground before the ark of the Lord. His head and his hands had been broken off and they were lying on the threshold. Only his body remained. That was why to this day neither the priest of Dagon nor any others who entered Dagon's temple at Ashdod step on the threshold. The Lord's hand was heavy. Everybody say heavy. The Lord's hand was heavy on the people of Ashdod. Not light, not medium. It was heavy on them. He brought devastation on them and afflicted them with tumors. When the people of Ashdod saw what was happening, they said, the ark, of, the ark of the God of Israel must not stay here with us because his hand is heavy on us and on Dagon our God. There's that word again, heavy. So they called together all the rulers of the Philistines and asked them, what shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? They answered, have the ark of the God of Israel moved to Gath. So they moved the ark of the God of Israel. But after they had moved it, the Lord's hand was against that city, throwing it into a great panic. He afflicted the people of the city, both young and old, with an outbreak of tumors. Then they sent the ark of God to Ekron. Are you seeing a pattern here? As the ark of God was entering Ekron, the people of Ekron cried out, They have brought the ark of God, the God of Israel around us to kill us and our people. So they called together all the rulers and said, Send the ark of God, of the God of Israel away. Let it go back to its own place or it will kill us and our people. For death had filled the city with panic. God's hand was heavy on it. And those who did not die were afflicted with tumors. And the outcry of the city went up to heaven. What an amazing story. We look throughout scripture of story after story. We look upon scripture, um, a constant uh, barrage, thank you, of people who pray to God and God does something, yes? You ever seen in scripture how God pray, or people, the people of God pray and then God does something and we're like, wow. That's great. Here's a story where the people of God didn't pray and God was still God. Here's a story with not one moment in the text. Look at me. Not one single moment in the text does it say that the people of God prayed to protect the ark. Why? Because the ark does not need protection. It is we who need protection from disobedience and from from the, the decisions that we often make that are against and contrary to the scriptures. Is that true? If there's, if there's ever a human being on this planet earth that understands pain and dis disobedience, I mean, it's some of us in this room, yes? We've made bad decisions and bad moves and we've reaped the, re the repercussions of that were great for some and merciful, merciful to others. I know there's times I should have been Punished, I should have been penalized for something, but God's grace. But God's grace. Are you, you hearing what I'm saying? So we look at the story. God was defending himself. 
We look at the story and we see how God was God all by himself. He doesn't need you or me. We get to serve him. We don't necessarily, uh, we're not necessarily needed in order for him to fulfill his will. That doesn't mean that you don't play a part. But it does mean this. God says, don't do something. Don't do it. And the people of God, listen, the people of God didn't just turn their back on God and walk away. They decided, let's bring them in when it's feasible for us. So they brought in the ark of God. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? They brought in the ark of God when they deemed God was fit. God, now you can come off the shelves and we need you now. And God said, I don't play this game. I don't play this game. And God did not defend the people. of. Now listen. I've been there. Where I try to bring God in a situation. After the fact. And God didn't show up. And I turn around and say. God you said you would be there. And he can turn around and say. You said you would follow me. So I guess we're in a situation aren't we. And I. The one that from the beginning. I should have had him there. But I didn't. I want to share with you a few things. Because Dagon. This God that they served, it reminds us as they took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it next to this Dagon, the God of that time. And it reminds us in the world that we live in today because there's a world that wants to tell each of us that God is just a figment of our imagination, right? God is not real and he's powerless and that's what the Philistines thought too. I'm here to tell you that he's a heavyweight God. He's a heavyweight God. So let's recap for a moment. They beat the people of Israel. They beat them. They take their ark. They put it next to Dagon. Dagon falls. The next morning, Dagon's on his face. So they put him in his place. Next morning again, he isn't just on his face. He has no face. Come on. He got no face. When your head comes off, you got face problems. Just a rule of thumb. Can I? Can we agree? You don't have to worry about the face if your head's got problems. The head is off, the hands are off, the arms are off, and now there's just a body on the ground. And you know what they decided? Instead of saying, oh my, the God of Israel is the God of all gods. Let's get rid of Dagon and let's serve the almighty God. You know what they do? They say, uh, let's ship them off. Because this is terribly inconvenient. I paid a lot for that statue. Right? Instead of identifying that for a moment, your God ain't real, your God ain't holding his own, they decided to ship him away. This is terribly inconvenient. You broke my God, how dare you? You ever had someone come to your house and break your stuff? Yeah? Some of y'all, some of y'all went through that this past holiday. Relatives coming in, breaking stuff, then they leave. You broke my God, now look what I, now look what you did. Instead of turning to God, what do they do? They turn God away. See, when you go through trials, look at me. You could turn to God, or you could turn God away. And I think all of us have been guilty at one time or another, feeling inconvenience, so we turn God away. Because it's going to affect the way we live. And God says, I'm not going to have that. And all of a sudden, they were inflicted with tumors. They turned it to somebody else. And 
Oh, this is a little too much for us to handle. Let's pass it to the next city. And then they found themselves with tumors. Then the next city, people are dying left and right. They didn't get a clue. God didn't belong there. Are you with me? God was making a statement. I don't belong among your gods. I stand alone as a heavyweight God. I stand alone. And that's the God you pray to today. That's the God you serve today. And some of you need to be reminded through your trials that you pray to a heavyweight God who doesn't pull punches when it comes to the enemy. He is willing to take out every obstacle that is in your path. But you got to bring him in. You got to bring him in and bring him in early and often. Don't bring him in after your plan fails. Simply amazing. How this text shows how God is supreme over all gods. I want to share a couple thoughts with you. Can I do that this morning? And here it is. Number one. All false gods will bow. All false gods will bow. And if I can add this, number one, that is lowercase g. Because there is one supreme God over all. And that is the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and of me. And he's the God of yours too. But that's number one. Lowercase g is very important. But not only that. Not only will all the gods bow. But every knee will bow and every tongue will confess one day. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The question is not will you bow. The question is when will you bow. And will it matter. Will it matter. Oh it matters. It matters if you do it now. And it matters if you do it later. But you'll be forced then because his supreme, his supreme ship, the supreme God that he is, will show and you will have to bow. Today, you can make a choice to bow. He is a heavyweight God that deserves heavyweight kind of praise. Some of us don't understand heavyweight praise. We sing a few verses of a song and think somehow that's the praise God deserves. Yet if our sports teams go on, we cheer like we lost our mind. Isn't God more than that? I love all my sports teams. But God deserves more praise than all of them combined and then some. Come on somebody. They saved my soul. That was, a, that was good, but I think you could do better than that. Come on, somebody. God deserves heavyweight praise. Come on, somebody. I'm saying. See, when we realize the heavyweight God we serve, we realize that our circumstance falls short every time. Your situation looks a lot smaller when you start realizing how big your God is. Right? All false gods, and by that I mean everyone, not just false gods, but the things of this world and the people of this world, everyone that is declared that God is in God will still stand before him and bow before him. That is for sure. In a bit of irony, when I say this, all false gods will bow. In a bit of irony, one of the most famous followers that followed this Dagon God, anybody know his name? He was pretty... A pretty important champion for the Philistines. His name was Goliath. Thank you. Goliath was a big man. He was 9'9", nine, nine, according to the scriptures. 9'9", nine nine, just a hair taller than me. 
you did not need to laugh that loud. <laughs> Flip it, 6-6. Six, six. No, still not there? No. But Goliath shared the same fate. Here Dagon years prior lost his head. Later down the line another time God showed off. Goliath too lost his head. And both to the Lord God Almighty. The heavyweight God. Not a lightweight. Not a quick fast and a hurry lightweight. My God is a heavyweight God. He landed on his face as well because he squared up against the Lord God of Israel. See, when God had finished with Dagon, he started on Ashdod and plagued them. And this trophy of war that it seemed to be the Ark of the Covenant now has become a pest. They shifted it from city to city until they finally surrendered and said, send it back. Send it back. Some of you had neighbor's kids come over your house and you said the same thing. Send it back. Send it back. That was not in my notes. In case you didn't know. But I could feel that coming from some of you. Send it back. You know one thing that the Lord showed me this week as I was preparing this message is that when you lift your hands of surrender God will lift his hand of judgment when you lift your hand in surrender God will lift his hand of judgment and that's exactly look at me that's exactly what the people the Philistines and every city that that ark traveled they finally got it send it back send it back and not only did they send it back they sent it back with an offering because they understood if there's anything they understood look at me if there's anything they understood was you don't deal and give God something without an offering you don't give God something without something of yourself and so they did that and I want to be crystal clear here this morning when you lift your hand and surrender in any day of your life God can lift his hand of judgment on you. And you think for a moment, well, who says, why, why do I have judgment on me? Well, I want to make this clear that the people of God often do the same thing that, these, that the people of Israel did. They bring God in late in the game and expect him to deliver. How many times did we do that? How many times did you do that? How many times did we bring God in late and expected him to bail us out? The great bailout of 2018. God, now I need you to help me in my marriage. Sure, sure, I, I went out of my marriage. Sure, I did, all my, I did all these problems with my finances. Sure, I did all these things. Sure, I did that. I need you now. And God says, that's great that you need me now. But that doesn't mean that you don't suffer consequences of all the things that you've been through. And they lost the ark. When you lost God's presence, you lost it all, friend. They lost the ark. Are you hearing me? Look at me. This is the most important thing Israel had. The presence of God. It identified them as the sole people of God. That ark meant more than just something to carry something in. 
When you surrender, God pays attention. Another sign that he's a heavyweight God. The God you serve today, I want to remind you. The God you prayed to just a few moments ago. The God you sang songs to just a few moments ago. He's a heavyweight God. He's a heavyweight God. One thing that the enemies of God need to be reminded of is that when he's not in his rightful place, he will let people know. They, they put him like a trophy next to Dagon, like it's some way, shape, or form. He is Dagon's trophy, and Dagon was no more. And I want to tell you today, stop putting him amongst your gods. Stop putting him among people, among your job, among fame, among anything that you deem important. Look at me. Don't let him be second to anyone or anything. Put him on the front line. And let him be the God. You are God and I am not. See, that's what a lot of people have a problem with Christianity. Because it's so defined. He's either God of all or not God at all. But why can't we, why can't we kind of mix a couple different religions? Because that's not God. You can't mix him among the other gods. He doesn't play well. Your gods be broken. On their face. Better yet, no face. Faceless. Headless. Because no God deserves to be put on the same plane as our heavyweight God. I don't know about you, but this encouraged me. I was sitting in a coffee house this week. And God just began to download these, this heavy word in my heart. And I'm going, God, this is, this is a lot for me to take on. And I, I'm usually an encourager and I, and, I, and I try to be. But I want to remind you, the God that you serve is not some sort of genie in a bottle. He's a very real God who will not be taken for granted and will not be put amongst other gods. So pray to him that way, like he's a heavyweight God. Don't make him Lord. He's Lord already. You just need to recognize it. Your praise, don't make him Lord. He's already Lord. You just need to recognize it. And come to yourself and say, you know what, God? You are a heavyweight God. And I'm a lightweight follower. Guess what? You ain't an underdog when you got Jesus on your side. We sang a song a few moments ago. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, you silence fear. Every fear that you have falls subject to the heavyweight God we are praying to today every single addiction every single thing that you go through in your life falls subject to the heavyweight god of abraham isaac and jacob the god of israel stands alone and today i want to make this very evident to you that all gods must bow to this god not only that allow me this moment to tell you a disobedience, my second point, disobedience brings judgment. Well, Pastor Tony, why you got to go into judgment? We were doing so well with that encouraging part. Well, let me encourage you not to be disobedient. Because disobedience brings judgment. What am I talking about? Well, let me, let's read more into the story. Can we do that for a few moments? I got a few moments. I hope you do too. We see from time to time through scripture 
that God's commands are proposed like suggestions. Let's, let me suggest to you 10 things you should really consider in your life. Uh, 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 uh. God's commands are not to be rejected or even relabeled suggestions. We look at Numbers chapter 4. If you would follow with me in Numbers chapter 4, there's a particular passage that leads me to this point. And here it is. Are you with me? Numbers chapter 4. Beginning in verse 17, the Lord said this to Moses and to Aaron. He said, see that the Kohathite tribal clans are not destroyed from among the Levites. Watch this. So that they may live and not die when they come near the most holy things. Do this for them. Aaron and his sons are going to go inside the sanctuary and assign to each man his own work and what he is to carry. Verse 20, this is important. But the Kahathites must not go into look they must not go in to look at the holy things even for a moment or they will die. Are you seeing this? So the, the things that are holy, the things that God says don't look at, the things that God says don't don't you put your eyes to, you don't. Because you will never see the things of God when you're not knowing who God is. The Philistines at this point in our passage, we're going back to our passage for a moment. They brought the ark, right? They brought the ark and 1 Samuel 6.15 tells us this. That the Levites took down the ark of the Lord together with the chest containing the gold objects and placed them on a large rock. On that day, the people of Beth Shemesh offered burnt offerings and made sacrifices to the Lord. Follow with me. The citizens then of Beth Shemesh were so pleased and delighted to have the ark that they decided, let's do something. Let's look inside of the ark. That, my friends, was a huge mistake. It was then that the hand of God, 1 Samuel 6, 19, struck down. The Bible says that 50,070 people, 50,000 people plus died because of this action. It was a massacre. The Hebrew word that was used was the word that we would understand is the word slaughter. And it was the same Hebrew word that was used when uh, other uh, tragedies happened in the Bible and other things happened where multitudes of people were drowned. Some translations have an asterisk of 70, but the Mosaic text, the original text, the Hebrew text, often all point to this Hebrew word that says uh, that it was a slaughter relating to multiple thousands of people. Watch this. 50,000 people because they decided to look into the ark. Let me tell you something. The presence of God is not something to shake a stick at. And when God says don't, don't. Disobedience brought judgment. And God didn't say they may die. He said they will die. Because when you set your unholy eyes on holy things without God's permission, that's the heavy weight God we're talking about today. Now you say, well, Pastor Tony, we're under grace. Absolutely. 
I don't believe for a moment that God will necessarily just do that uh, here today. But I do believe something. I do believe that if God said no, no is no. And the people did not understand that. And they looked and many, many died that day. And so much that people were upset. This upset so many people. And they said, you know what? David, when they finally got it back, they finally realized that this is where it belonged. The Philistines did not deserve or need that ark in their lives. But again, I'm reminded that instead of bowing and recognizing that their God was false, they kept their God and they shipped away the true God of Israel. And that begs me the question here today. Who is your God? Who is your God? Because see, if they had done it right, if they had done it right, they would have said, finally, we could see a God at work here. But they didn't. They kept their false gods and shipped away the true God. Of Israel. Friends, today we serve a God who is a heavyweight God. And you are not an underdog. Look at me. You are not an underdog. Every situation that's facing you today, God can meet. And He can meet above and beyond your wildest dreams. But you have to understand something. If He's in the forefront, He's in the forefront. Don't put Him on a shelf and expect to bring Him out. Whenever you feel it's ready. Who is your God? See, people on the outside will always have more questions than answers. But when you trust God and you understand that you're not an underdog ever. You will have the confidence to pray to that heavyweight God and he will answer. Amen. Can I have you bow your heads for a moment right where you're at? And God, today we come before you. We need you, Jesus. We need you to come resurrect in us the reality of Jesus. Resurrect in us the reality of who God is. Lord, we th- we're thankful today that we don't serve a lightweight God or a middleweight God. We serve a heavyweight God whose hand is heavy upon the enemy. And God, today we're so thankful that we have a, an ally in you. To fight our battles. The battles that we can't face. Oh God help us. To surrender them to you. And today God. We will face every trial and struggle. With the confidence and knowledge. That you will go to bat for us. We trust and believe that today. In Jesus name.